Praise the Lord. Look at somebody. I know they're a little ways away from you, most of them, but look at somebody and say, let's pray. Let's pray. Today, I want to talk about, uh, I just felt this really uh, jumped in my heart pretty big time. And if you've seen the center page, please read that. I feel like the Lord really gave me a wonderful flow and touch there. By the way, when we start off uh, as followers of Jesus, doesn't prayer seem like a bit of a mystery? When people say prayer, it's almost like a burden, isn't it? I mean, it really messes with you. So the idea of becoming a praying person is almost like, I will never be able to do that. Is it, you ever felt that way? It's like, I can't, because you got all this gobbledygook in your head about what it is. So this message is an effort to encourage, to help us to pray, because to many people, Prayer really is a mystery, and it's, it's a mystery because according to the different religious cultures, and, and um, you know, prayer means a lot of different things. So, hey, listen, hey, 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 can we read the center page later? <laughs> Thank you. I'm on this one now. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so there's a lot of different, like, for instance, it ranges from being uh, ritualistic, like lighting a candle, doing incense, you know, or, or uh, bowing a certain amount of times, or chanting a certain statements over and over, depending on the variety of approaches of different religious backgrounds. Uh, and many, of course, have, have borne, like, disappointment from not seeing an answer to prayer. So they, like, you know, carry that kind of baggage with them. And, and so there's, like, uh, depending on what you've heard about it, what you were taught, or the disappointing experiences you've had, there's just a, a, a bunch of, how do you get through all that? Unless you had somebody in your family who knew how to walk and, in, and had a prayerful life as a model, you probably don't get a get a, a good shot at that so uh if you're not th- this is the point if you're not praying to the true and living god your li- your options are rather limited so we do not pray to worthless idols in fact there's a little if you're not praying to him and we're going to talk about who we're praying to for a minute but let's see who we don't pray to in psalm 115 4 through 8 it says their idols are silver and gold the work of human hands they have mouths and do not speak, eyes that do not see. They have ears that do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands that do not feel, feet that do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. So this is a picture of people putting their hope in anything other. Anything other than the true and living God. Everybody imagine right quick with me. Uh, you're at one of those... Um, you know, like a, you're at a festival or something, they have that thing set up and you got your water gun and there's these balloons and you got to keep shooting the water at the balloon and the more you hit the thing, whatever, it fills it up until it pops. Prayer is often like that. You just keep going and you keep learning. You keep shooting and you finally develop how to pray. It's kind of like that. But the Bible has a covenant name for God. God of the Bible has a covenant name. His name is the God, everybody say that, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's who we're praying to. We're praying to Almighty God. We're praying to the God Most High. He's the creator of all that is. He's the redeemer of fallen mankind. He's the refuge for the needy. He's the healer of the broken. He's the deliverer of the bound. He's the savior of the lost. Father God reached to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reconnect us. 
to the Father's love. This is the big point. How? Well, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, dying for us in our place, so that he might become, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And these are big words simply that means that God, Jesus restores you to the relationship with the Father. He restores you, and then he declares that you're sinless in his sight. How many of you like that? How many of you receive that? And so the Holy Spirit comes, and he becomes the spirit of adoption in you, and he gives you new life. He gives you eternal life to live in this precious, restorative relationship, empowering us to call God, get this, Father and even Daddy, because the definition of the term Daddy is Abba. So Romans 8.15 says, read with me, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So when we pray as followers of Jesus, we are actually talking to a God who prefers that you address Him as Dad. And this is the heartbeat of prayer for the follower of Jesus. So it's not about a ritual. It's about a relationship. That's why when Jesus said, when you pray, pray, Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus focuses you and me on Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This word hallowed means, basically it just means it's honor. It's, it's give Him honor. Honor His name. What a, what a wonderful attitude just to get started with. Jesus addresses who you're praying to, the attitude you come in, and what you're supposed to address immediately. Your kingdom come. Everybody repeat after me. The answer to every prayer is more of God. So when you're praying, we're talking about this, this, this God that says, I want you to address me as Dad. You feel the presence of the Lord here? I want you to address me as Dad. Jesus has come to reconnect you. Look at John twenty seventeen. Jesus said to her, Mary Magdalene, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. She was so excited to see him and her eyes opened. It says, but go to your brothers and say to them, look at what she was told to say. I'm, sending, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. My God and your God. So Jesus is wanting us to know that His dad is our dad. And we've been... Well, what's He like? Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God. See, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and He's the exact imprint of His very nature. So if you want to know who Father God is, you look at Jesus. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So when you and I talk about prayer in the Bible, we're talking to a specific person. A person who loves us. Jesus told us to pray. And when we pray, when we're praying this Father in heaven, it's not ritualistic now. In fact, prayer in the Bible is relational. It's personal. It's conversational. It's private as well as communal. Would you look at that? Prayer in the Bible is relational. It's personal. It's conversational. It's private as well as communal. Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 6, he says, when you go pray, go into your room 
shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, let me pause there just for a second because this is I have a, quite a few slides and I like to use them. And I've talked to a few of you in here and you like to be able to look up and see. So you're not just looking at the dancing bear down front. You're looking at so, you know, to, to see the, the, um, the word, some visual learners, that helps. And um, when Jesus is talking this way, how many of you have, when you first started off trying to figure out how to pray, you didn't, you, you really grappled with trying to learn how to pray? See, and then uh, over a period of time, well, we'll get, uh, let me show you some of the, let, let me show you, so, so I won't jump in that, we, we got some answers coming up here. So your prayer is also communal or corporate, and prayer involves group praying and agreeing with others. And I'm really sad about this whole COVID thing because part of the discipleship of our church is all based on the fact that we turn and pray in little circles. And I have seen people, I know for me, when I started doing that years ago in another church, I, I grew so, so quickly, I realized within a year, I had grown in leaps and bounds because I came to rely upon the help of the Holy Spirit. How many of you? When you pray and you're going, I don't know, and next thing stuff begins to happen in your heart and it connects and you're going, some of us, you go, that was so good. I want to remember what, what, you know, you just, it's because the Holy Spirit unloads these beautiful, beautiful thoughts to help encourage the hearts of people. Or you might flow in something that brings healing. So uh, prayer is relational and communal. And it also is uh, the means by which God extends his authority. Prayer is authoritative. Let's look at a great big verse here. It's four, two verses, uh, three verses actually. Matthew 8, 18 through 20. It says, truly I say to you, and this is, starts off this way. It says, whatever you bind in heaven, and this, the terminology here, I wish it was written out the way it is. It says, what you uh, bind on earth shall have been bound. Is, uh, shall be, but shall have been. In other words, we're, we're functioning on a, a work uh, that's already established in heaven. So when you catch that faith in your heart that this is done, for instance... I don't, I'm not too concerned if I'm praying against a work of darkness, if it'll respond or not. Because when I came in the authority of Jesus, it has to respond because it's already been bound in the heaven. Are you there? So it has to listen to the name of Jesus. And so my faith settles in on that. Now, what's cool about that is that not only is it or loosed, uh, whatever's loosed on earth shall have been loosed in heaven, but he says, look at this. It says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask it shall be done for them by my father so there's that whole you know way back there's that scripture about one puts a thousand to fly two puts ten out there's this exponential ability when you come in agreeing prayer over something and all so many times so many times when you agree with prayer with someone doesn't something generate that's greater when you come into that agreement and the, you sense that power, that sense of authority, you come in. So a prayer has a lot to do with Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to gather right there with you and I'm going to help you do it. And he's already said, come in my name. Come to the Father. Come to the Father. Use my name. Here's my credit card. Go. Put it to my account. So he's there. My prayer is spiritual and impacts the spirit realm which impacts the physical realm. Is that true? Is that true? Come on, how many of you have taken authority over something you can't see and it really deeply affects everything that you actually do see? Okay. So what's unseen take, is under the dominion of Jesus Christ, 
when we step into that role with Him and we pray, and there's something too about um, peace that you need. You need the peace of the Lord uh, when you're praying. You need to stay and function in that peace, don't you? How many of you have had something where suddenly your peace is gone? And then you're, so part of the prayer is to get back into the place of peace. Get that where you, where the, that whatever it is comes to come and separate you from the Prince of Peace. It comes to make you like feel like terror or a foreboding something. I've learned some things about that. Whenever I feel that kind of stuff, where I feel this disjointed, discharge, you know, like, like, uh, like that kind of a threatening, foreboding thing, I have learned it's like, a guidance system inside of your spirit. Not unlike a sonar system. A sonar system in a submarine can detect when a torpedo is coming. And when you have a foreboding feeling inside, you can pray until you get your peace back and the torpedo misses you. But if you don't do anything about it, you end up in terror. But you can stop it. Is this making any sense to him? See, so prayer, submitting your spirit to the Holy Spirit, coming to the Father in Jesus' name, and every now and again, well, you have like somebody's sick. And suddenly all of our pastors or intercessors are praying and we hear stuff back instantly. Wow, they're better now. Isn't that amazing? Agreeing prayer puts to flight the works of darkness pray. So Paul says, anyway, I'm saying about the, the physical realm, Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, because the devil does have schemes or plans or strategies. And then this powerful, powerful verse, do not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This liberated me once, and it, I stayed liberated after this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I'm going to give a testimony in a minute about under the category of our attitude in prayer that will speak as also to this. So why is praying necessary? Why is praying necessary? 1 John 5.19 we know that we are from God and the whole world lives under the power of the evil one. Isn't that a bummer? The whole world's under the power of the evil one. Do you think we should be praying? Matthew eleven twelve. Jesus said this for the deaths of, from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So, prayer is God means, God's means by which His people can bring forth the dominion of His kingdom into the hearts and lives of people. I've shared this a while back, but I had this, uh, this was a, like a, one of those serendipitous moments. I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I was reading this article, and it, they actually took a hospital, and they divided according, it was like these wings in the hospital, and they said, these floors over here, they got a team of prayer people, and a group of people to pray, and they had all the names of all the people on those floors, and they decided we're going to cover them in prayer. We're going to pray for them. And we're not going to pray for the people on this side of the hospital at all. We won't be praying. Somebody can, but we won't be doing it. And they literally, as a study, watched people who were prayed for get out of the hospital and be healed much quicker than the people who weren't prayed for. 
And I was so excited about this article and I took it to a chaplain and I said, have you ever seen this? And he said, well, that's why I have a job. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know that. But this, those studies are the reason for chaplains. So let's declare this. Prayed for people, here go ahead, prayed for people get along better than non-prayed for people, Right? Aren't you glad? By the way, do you remember Francis Frangipan? There are certain books we've read by him. Uh, he was talking. He has this wonderful testimony of how of a like a hardened uh, man his dad was. His dad was really, really, really just because Frangipan is a Sicilian name, you know, and and they talk about there was just there's a lot of jokes that he could tell with that, you know, from that background. But anyway, his dad was very, very uh, resistant to the gospel of Jesus. And you know when his dad came to the Lord? Apparently his father knew that the family prayed for him. And so they threatened to stop. They said, you know what? We're not going to pray for you. Because he's older in, in years. And I believe he probably realized that their prayers were sustaining his life. And he said that they said, you know what? I tell you what, if you're going to be this resistant to Jesus... Then uh, the rest of all the family, now we're just going to quit praying for you. We're going to stop praying for you. That affected him so deeply, he begged them, please don't, and he gave his life to Jesus. Because he saw the value of what they had been pouring into his life, and he'd been riding on their relationship with God so long. Isn't that something? So we can uh, hinder the works of the devil. Prayers involving uh, the release of faith to accomplish things that begin... uh, You know, you can't really change a person's will. But you can pray the work of darkness off of them. Isn't that wonderful? There's little techniques and things like the Bible says in Proverbs, pray that you bind mercy and truth to their neck. Put mercy and truth to their neck. This veil that keeps them from seeing, pray that the veil be lifted. Because there's people that just move in, in wickedness and evil and darkness and they just act like this is the way it should be. They're blind. And especially people which I've put in the center page there, especially people, anybody who's in any position of authority that can affect your life in any way needs to be prayed for. And uh, I will say uh, certain people in authority, this has happened to me recently. I was uh, somebody in our town here that's... Um, I was driving. I was driving down Fairmont Avenue, and uh, oh, I was thinking of this person, and I was like, "Oh man, you know, have you ever like they're in that place of authority, and I know what's in them, and I know the bad that's going to come out of it." That's what I was at, and you know what the Lord released? He released this inside of my heart. It was like suddenly I knew that His heart was going to change, and that God was going to touch him. And suddenly, I changed. The anointing of that moment filled me with such love for that person that I started interceding like never before. Now I have an expectancy because of the Lord's Spirit inside of me that said, I'm going to change His heart. And that makes me come alive. Now, I don't know if the Lord just tricked me. I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is so much fun. Sometimes I'm going to change Him. And then to come to find out, it was Him giving me love for Him to change Him. I mean, He can do that. You know what I mean? He can, he can stir you up. And He is so full of love. And so full of passion for people. And knows that when people are 
are really walking anti him. He knows the thing. He knows the, the needs of the heart. He knows the very thought processes. He knows who's in their life. He's already got people around them. There are people that he can use to touch them. And the Lord has strategies to look at you. How did God get to you? He put you around people that were praying. So this is to stir you up. Does anybody feel slightly stirred up? Okay. All right. Let's go on to another category here. Prayers are stored up in heaven. Now this is uh, squeezed all this next scripture onto one little slide. So isn't that fun? But I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says another, this is Revelation 8, 3 through 5. It says another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers. Look at this. With the prayers of all the saints. Okay, so here he is. He's got a censer. He's got this incense. And he's adding it to what? To offer it up with the prayer. Everybody say prayers of all the saints. Prayers of all the saints. Okay, so the prayers of all the saints are in this censer. He's got this golden censer. And he's got the incense in there. And the prayers of all the saints are in there. Are you getting this? And uh, on, on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. So now you're not my prayers. Look, they don't, they don't go away, see? They're stored up. Come on. Are you, you want to see some big answers coming? Like, I do. So there's prayers that can go. By the way, also, uh, prayers can be stored up for a long time and then you pass away and then they all come to pass. I know, um, you know Amos Dodge? Amos Dodge is a retired pastor now, but uh, anyway, we've had meetings uh, and he's been here and stuff. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, his father would pray. His father would, uh, every morning, every morning when his father rolled out of bed, the whole house could hear him. Lord bless He had about seven kids and he'd pray all their names. He'd pray them where they're all serving the Lord and blessed and successful. And he's been gone for a while, but that prayer has still lingered and released blessing and prosperity into their lives. Well, look at this next verse here. Then the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire from the altar. So you got the prayers of the saints in there. You got the incense. He takes this fire, he puts it, and then he throws it. He throw, threw it to the earth, and where there were peals of thunder and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. God is saying, Okay, I'm going to answer these prayers. Woo! Pow! Wow! Time. This tells us that God stores up prayers. And releases the answers to prayers at specific times. He does that. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Hey, listen. Are we still doing okay? Would you like a few jokes or something? Okay, i just checking you out. I don't have any. So there are some hindrances to prayer. And let's just put up these three. <laughs> the first one is a non, kind of like, you know, just don't pray. <laughs> That's a hindrance. <laughs> that would be easy to pick out. Don't pray at all. They're just going to be hindering your prayer because right? there's none of it there. Right? So that's one. Number two, sin. And number three, wrong attitude. The Bible teaches that there are hindrances to prayer. Of course, sin is one. Psalm 66, 18. 
important scripture. If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So there's this idea. Now, here's the answer to that right quick. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to take it a step further, and it's the next word, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you have... Um, regarding cherishing sin that has a hindrance. Even it says in First uh, Peter about the husbands, you know, cherishing your wives. Likewise, you know, take care of them. And as your heirs together in the grace of life, you know, treat one another with understanding so that your prayers are not hindered. There's relational aspects to the hindrance of prayer that if there's division and strife and all that kind of stuff, that can back it off. But um, I want to point out, sometimes you really do have... Let's do the next slide. Prayer requires the right attitude as well. But if you are deeply hurt, and this happens to people, uh, you can pour out your complaint before God. Now, Psalm 142 is perfect for that. If you're really hurting, instead of going around tailbearing, instead of telling everybody you see who hurt you and being a sower of discord, the Bible teaches us that one of the aspects of prayer is the gift that God gives us to come before Him and pour out our complaint. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever done that before? Well, you don't have to pour it in. It may be one safe person that can affirm. Because that's what I found that sometimes, especially with a deep injury in the heart, you might feel embarrassed to share it. But if you have somebody who's like, like an old soul like me that goes, I don't know if you've had any more damage than I have. If it hurts... Let's agree together how deeply it hurts. And let's let the Lord have the complaint. Isn't it beautiful the way the Lord does that? And the Lord says, I will receive and affirm the depth of your pain. That's the, I think that's funny. To me, as one who understands the healing of the brokenhearted, that's probably one of the most beautiful aspects of the character of God that I personally know. That Jesus takes a person who's full of heartache, deeply wounded and uh, carrying abuse for years, and he comes, that person, he or she, comes before the Lord, begins to open up the complaint of life. The horrible hurts. And as they begin to roll out, the troubles untangle the soul. And there's something so beautiful that's one of the aspects of prayer that I deeply don't hear enough about. You know, the average place, uh, the average, just the average person is going to think like this. I don't live up. I probably never will. But i got to keep trying. Am I right? And you walk around with this sense of I don't measure up. And let me just go ahead and say it. We are all these fragile, frail, vulnerable jars of clay. Paul said it. And when he said the jars of clay, there's something about this. The, the nature of the word that Paul used there were that they were the lower, the least expensive jars of clay. They were the run of the mill. They were the thrift shop versions. They weren't made out of gold or silver. They were not top quality ceramic. 
There were these little earthen things that you would find at the cheapest store to pour oil into. But He puts His oil into us. Into these fragile jars. Isn't He beautiful? The jar that has had such a rough life that the season of coming before the Lord and pouring out complaints wasn't once. It wasn't twice. It wasn't even three times. It was a series of years. Come on everybody, let's get real in here. Prayer has to do with that. The spirit of adoption saying, come here honey. Daddy. And him taking the pain of not having the right kind of parenting. And him saying, I'm going to become your dad. And I'm going to speak the things inside of you. And I need to take the wax out of your ears for all the negative things that you allowed to build up in there. And I want to speak who you are to me. And we begin to change. Can I just say, after years of repair, it takes years of just believing that you're actually who He says you are. There's something so bent about us heading the other way. Aren't you grateful that the oil comes freely? And the wisdom and revelation that comes from the oil comes freely. That God gives us such help. But there's this thing about praying correctly. And the Lord doesn't want us to pray with a wrong attitude. How many of you know, we've told this over, Jack Hayford used to tell this story where there was a bunch of people, you know, praying and he was, he heard this kind of this, what the heck was that? What is that? And there was a guy over there, he's by the pew, get him, Lord, get him, Lord, get him, Lord. He's like, what the, what the, what the, the Lord, that's not the attitude. Now, this is the attitude. Jesus said this, Matthew 5.44, but I say to you, read it with me, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you, uh, I, was, I was deeply hurt at one point in my ministry by a person who was really being very aggressive at share, uh, spreading seeds of discord and things like that. And there was a, you know, half-truths can get in there. And there was this vulnerability inside of me. And it was tapping into something of a pain. I was a pain inside of me. And the adversary came to me with a, with a solution for my pain. And I was driving into my in Deerfield. And right as I turned there, a powerful assault of the devil in the form of imagination came upon my mind. And it was, do this! It was really powerful. It was invisible work of the devil. Okay, And the Lord, I mean, the, this devil thing, I saw that if I would take a picture of this person and put it on a log or a stump, and, and this is what this imagination was telling me, go get an axe and release all of your anger and cut that picture in half. And this little voice was going, and then you'll give that person a splitting headache. Aren't you glad I didn't do that? Uh, is anybody here happy that I didn't do that? You know what I did? Would you like to hear the rest of the story? 
I said, I bind you in the name of Jesus. That's voodoo. I bind you. Be gone from me. And now, Lord, pour tender mercies on this person. Flood this soul with tender mercies. And there was a season where I would just pray this. Lord, I would say it over and over all day long. Reduce me to love. Reduce me to love. Reduce me to love. Reduce me to love. My soul was in massive anguish deeper than I had ever known in this in regarding the flock of God. And I said it over and over and over. And I couldn't think about anybody. I just spoke to my soul. Reduce me to love. Reduce me to love. Reduce me to love. Jesus, I want your love. It was because I didn't have it. Hello? We're just this earthen vessel. Is this, tr- this is prayer. I'm talking about prayer. Prayer that heals your own soul. When you cling to God and say, I need you. you got definite complaint and you you got to have help. Or you'll go insane. And you'll do stupid things. And then that'll be another couple of years of that problem. If He can get you on the run, He'll take you out. But you can go to Jesus and have right thinking and submit to Him and say, no, I'm going to bless those who curse me. And I'm going to pray for those who spitefully use me. There's certain people I think I pray for more than the people I love. <laughs> I can't. And, and the Lord, when I said that to the Lord this morning, He says, yeah, and all those prayers are stored up, buddy. And I'm going to answer them. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God will answer the prayers. Have you had something where you had to just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and you just feel like, I want to give up. The Lord says, it's not wasted. It's in my sensor. I got it stored up here. Hallelujah. There's a time. Praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. By the way, I learned another massive, massive lesson. There's two little things here and then we'll get into communion. The massive lesson was that I, f- I found this out. This is amazing. Proverbs 16, verse 7, I didn't put it up here, but it says this. If a man's or woman's ways please the Lord. Does anybody know the rest of that? He'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. And I have had people that have tried to destroy my reputation. Come back later and act like nothing ever happened. Because my ways, by God's help, please the Lord. And now the people who had been the epicenter of demonic activity to ruin me act like nothing happened. They had a weakness. They felt justified. They were hurt. They acted on it. Demons were there. They were shooting out. They were trying to take you down. Take me down. Are you over there? But you turn to the Lord and this is all the benefit of prayer. Connecting with God and letting Him do the thing in you that you can't do in yourself. This real quickly, there's a protocol of prayer is thanksgiving. And uh, uh, Psalm uh, 100 verse 4, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Everybody say gates with thanksgiving. Give Him thanks and bless His name. So that's the entry point. Don't you like it when somebody comes into your presence and they have a thankful attitude? 
See, God doesn't mind the complaints if you just not walk. You know, there's the, that's a different. The bringing a legitimate complaint where there's devastating hurt inside of you and pouring it up for God is completely different than being a whiny butt. You know, that's a different thing. But when you come in, and there's a gift that God gives to us, and He says, like for instance, Philippians four six: Do not be anxious about anything, but in what everything by prayer and supplication, what with. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known. So now, I want to, uh, as we move into our communion time here, I want to uh, point out something. Let's look at this together. Typically, people may try to pray when they or someone they love is in pain. Is that right? Now watch. There are often deals made to God. Like, if you do this for me, I will be good. Have you ever heard these? Okay. Pain awakens people to seek help from a source that is greater than they are. Is that right? Okay. Now, I was, I kind of like, ah, this, this whole deal-making thing, I don't really like it. And then the Lord led me to the, this is amazing. Now, listen, guys, look. Are you, are you still with me? Because we're going to get to communion. This is, we're, we're coming around. This is like, we're, we went the first, second, third. We're, we're on third base. We're kind of in the home, okay? So it's like, praise the Lord. Okay. There's conversations with God. Instructions in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Chapter 3, there's a conversation that reveals that Adam and Eve have fallen. That's that. Uh, there's a there's a meant but there's no the word prayer and the concept of prayer is not really mentioned. Later, when um, Abraham takes Sarah down and and uh, Abimelech is uh, takes Sarah and because he doesn't you know says you're my don't they'll kill me and so say you're my sister, and then God speaks to Abimelech, and the first time the word prayer is used in the Bible, it says you give back Sarah because this is this man's wife. And you give all of his, whatever you got of his, give it back to him, and I'll have him pray for you. That's the first time that prayer is mentioned. But the actual first prayer, real legitimate, somebody praying, is Hannah. Hannah. Hannah in the Bible in 1 Samuel. And Hannah is full of bitterness and soul, and she does this deal thing. She's crying. She, Eli thinks she's drunk. She's so miserable and so in anguish because she can't have a baby. And she wants a baby so bad. She wants it. And she's married to a guy who has another wife. And she's got kids running everywhere. And she gets mocked by that. She's just torn up inside. She's in pain. And she goes once a year, she goes to the, the, the tabernacle there and she goes in and just cries her guts out so much so that Eli thinks she's drunk. That's how shaken up she is by how disturbed she is. He says, she says, no, I'm not drunk. Bitterness. And she makes a deal. And she says, oh, I vow to vow, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and do not forget your servant but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to you. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall touch his head. 
Isn't that something? She made a deal. I, I was always like, this deal business. The very first legitimate prayer in the Bible was a deal. Isn't that something? Now, how many people have said, if you do this, Lord, I'll do that, and then they don't do it. But what happened is Hannah kept her part of the deal. And I want to say what her part of the deal did. Hannah's travail, next slide, uh, in prayer brought forth the prophet Samuel to all of Israel. And so there's a lesson wrapped up in this. And it's this. Your greatest trial can birth the greatest blessing. Everybody say that. Your greatest trial can birth the greatest blessing. Now, I have to finish this. I want us to go ahead and enter into communion. Can we go ahead and have those serving communion? And please hand out the element of the bread. So Jesus now also faces his. Praise the Lord. Before we go to the next slide, let me go ahead and pray a prayer and prepare us. This is really just simply an encouragement that... See, here's what can happen. Hurt, unaddressed, can keep you from prayer. Therefore, it keeps you from the God who wants to deliver you from it, from the hurt. Is that right? Pain, though, can be a mighty motivator and drive people into God's presence. There are many in our culture that still have pain in their heart and they don't want to share it and they don't want to talk about it. And part of my heart is to pray that the Spirit of God come upon them in such a way that they find... Because when somebody's hurt, sometimes the devil, because he's such a gifted accuser of the brethren, he'll come and say, God did that. And so then uh, there's all this attitude about, well, if God's so good, why is he let me be hurt, basically? Why am I hurt? And so the greatest trial can often bring the greatest blessing. Is that right? Now, as you're getting that, I want to go to this next. There's two slides on this next scripture. I want to look at Hebrews 5, verse 7. Just meditatively, look up at that verse and read it. This is talking about Jesus in the days of his flesh. He offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus never asked you to do anything that he won't empower you to do. And if you have some loud cries and tears down inside of you because of something that you're facing, Jesus says, I know all about it. I understand the nature of the heart. I was there. I faced it. It's a curious line to say to him who was able to save him from death. And you think that the answer to that would be because Jesus is in the garden, see, and he's saying, first of all, he's full of anguish. He's, 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 he's so, he's, the stress physically is so great, the capillary is breaking his body and blood's coming out of his skin. That's how pressure this is. He's asking Peter, James, and John to pray with him, and, and they're falling asleep. And he's like, can't you um, pray with me one hour? Loud cries. Oh God, 
If it's possible, can you remove this from me? What's the cup? He got to drink the entire punishment for our sins. He got to suffer on the cross. So you look at this verse and you think, maybe it says to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard. But this was the answer after three crying out, crying out three times. This was the answer of Jesus as a human being with serious human doubt at that moment because he knew what he was going to face. See, Jesus had walked down the roads and seen physical bodies on crosses. He'd seen that. And it typically took three days, sometimes six days, for a person to bleed out on the cross. But they were so brutal to Jesus, he bled out in six hours. And he knew this was coming. He knew this was coming. This is why we can pray to God. Because he laid his life down to exchange every hurtful thing that you could ever go through and give you, take that and give you his life. Because he went through it. And then he raised him. He did deliver him from death. He broke its power forever. He swallowed it up in his victory and death has no power over you or over me and sin is rendered useless and no authority in it because he has broken its hold on us in his body on the cross forever and ever and ever to all who come to him anyone who cries out on the name of Jesus the full redemptive power of Jesus drinking that cup goes into that soul and they're liberated in front of God from all their sins and family iniquities and bondages and demon attraction and all kinds of things overthrown by the pure power of Jesus going through it. The next verse, verse 8 and 9, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Let me ask you, see I was shared a story a little while ago I learned obedience through what I suffered. Nobody showed up at my house and shot me. My emotional makeup at that time was very vulnerable. I gave more of my soul and the dominion of my soul over to Jesus. He stood with me in it and all my fragility. I cried out to the Lord in my complaints, drew closer to him. And he did in me what nobody could do. He took what he had gone through and said, being made perfect, because he was made perfect, he completed it for us. He cried out, it is finished on the cross. Being made perfect, he says, he became the source. See, your source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Let's lift up his little piece of 
cracker here and just bless the Lord to give him honor right now. Just praise him. Would you do that? Just. I want to ask you to be thankful for all the times the Lord's delivered you. All the past. All the goodness of the Lord. Would you praise him for every time the Lord has been good to you? Touched your neediness? Strengthened you when you were weak? Came and gave to you what no man or woman could give? They can be part of the transfer of his touch, but they can't be the source of it. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit represent Father's heart to come and give you the blessing of the encouragement from heaven. Now, if you would, you have your eyes closed. I want to ask you to see something that just you and him and let's just say you have just passed from this life into that life would you focus on that moment and let and let your eyes see the perfection of who Jesus is lovingly receiving you into eternal life would you open to that because that's the joy of his legacy let's praise him now just praise the Lord. Praise Him. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. You can repeat this. Say, Father God, Daddy in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you for dying in my place I received your body unto wholeness in my soul. I received the Holy Spirit promoting your love to the depths of my being. I praise you right now. And I praise you for the days ahead where you will meet with me and lead me and bless me. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Forget not His benefits. Who forgives all of our iniquities. Who heals all of our diseases. Who restores our youth like the eagle. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We cannot say anything but just thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the presence of God. Thank you for the redemption through the blood of the grapes, so to speak. Would you lift that cup? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place and shedding your blood to release forgiveness to the depths of my soul. Um, uh, I just had a little flash in my mind here. Um, let me pray this. In the name of Jesus Christ, it, uh, well, let, let me pray it for you. Anyone here 
who has the residual effect of the bruising of abusive words, I feel the Lord is saying, any place where you have been smashed, um, even believed them, believed lies about your identity that was uh, belittling to you, this is what I saw. I felt like the Lord just flashed this. Says, I'm going to erase it right now. Would you be open to letting the Lord erase the construct in your mind that is negative to you, who you are? Let him wash it away. Let him dismantle it. Let him take it. Would you do that? If that's you, or just say, Lord, if there's anything in me that be a negative construct of my view of myself, that's not how you would look at me. Would you eliminate it and break it apart and take it out of my mind? Let's go ahead and praise him for this as an advance. As I drink this, say, Lord, Father, say, Father God, as I take the cup and I receive the cup, I pray now every negative thought, everything about myself that has been against me, I break its power. Through the power of the blood, you are giving me this victory now. I release my heart and all of my physical uh, all of my mental needs it's a mental uh, it's abusive mental uh, cursing and things like that in the name of jesus be gone from me jesus's blood has dominion over you now let's partake thank you jesus thank you lord if that's you see we we live in an environment in this church where the Holy Spirit is free to touch the soul because we know what He's going for. He's going for the joy of the relationship. I want to tell you something funny. And then we'll dismiss. There's a young man I've been, uh, the Lord led me to. And I was, been getting to know him. And I, um, it's a mutual sense of it's like it feels like it feels like one of these you know God just gives you a love for somebody and they open to it that's what it and something's going on there and so um, I was sitting next to him and I said you know I don't really have an agenda I just want to do what Jesus wants I have this prayer you know I want to know what the Father's doing and just do it and something came in my mind that just put your hand on his shoulder and I said you know sometimes if I touch somebody and I put my hand on his shoulder. Sometimes if I touch somebody, I'm playing around. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not really trying to do anything. I'm not trying to prophesy. I'm not trying to. I said, sometimes when I put my hand on somebody's shoulder, maybe the Holy Spirit might move. The moment I touched this guy, the moment I touched him, this came up out of me. He's in his 20s. This came up out of me so fast, I didn't even think not to say it. The, this is funny because the Holy Spirit loves people. And I said, you're concerned about marriage. The Lord says, give me that. Devote that to me. And I will order the steps. And at the right time, I'll bring your mate into your life. And you'll know who she is. And I'll have done it for you. You can release that to me. And this guy looked right at me and says, that's deep. 
And I've been thinking about that. I said, I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) And the Lord says, but I knew and I love him. I love people. Don't you want to be involved with a God that just loves people? And cherishes people? And helps people? It starts off, just pray. Pray. Get in that relationship. Get in that relationship. And you'll be driving down the road and says, you know that guy you hate? I'm going to give you my love for him. What the heck? And now I believe that change is going to happen. And when I think of that person, I get all lit up. I'm saying, just give your life. Just give it over. And let the joy come. How many many of you feel encouraged to pray? Let's go ahead and stand together. Let's go ahead and say, let's just lift up praise for a second. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for everything that you lit into our hearts. Thank you for everything, every touch, every revelation, every place that you ministered. Oh, gosh. Your family, the, the, there's a new work of the Spirit coming, okay? I just, when you had your hands up, I just saw your family. There's a, the Lord's going to touch every single one of them. Every single one of them. You've been asking for that, for that, haven't you? He's going to touch them all. He's going to touch them all. He's going to touch them. There's going to, he's coming. He's, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.